Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, we conclude our Undone series as lead pastor Greg Dumas teaches a message on less worship, more worship. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Can we thank God? Isn't it an awesome day today? Come on, let's welcome our campuses. What's up, South Shore Plant City? God bless you, Lord. We thank you so much for today. We pray that uh, we would see you hear you, know you in an updated fashion. Bring your Holy Spirit to teach us from the inside out on all God's people said. Amen Amen and amen and amen. Delighted that you're here today. We're in a series called Undone, Undone. In a world that seems to be falling apart and it kind of does seem to be falling apart, doesn't it? The world kind of pulling apart at the threads. God wants to put us back together, but he wants to do it his way. Amen. He he really, he wants less of some things and he wants more of some things. So today we're going to talk about Worship. We're going to talk about worship. And I, I would just say across our campuses, South Shore, Plant City, Tampa, didn't we have amazing worship? Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. Amazing. <clears throat> so what do you think of whenever we say the word worship? Some of you, you know, most of us actually, we think of some musical uh, instrument, singing, uh, maybe some arrangement, right? And so for a lot of us, we think of the contemporary style of worship. We think of a worship leader. And uh, they're super cool, right? Super cool worship leader. They have to have like a little tat right here. So when they worship, they can, you know, you can see the, you know what I'm saying? Super cool. And, and a band and maybe theme if you're, you know, part of the crossing is themes, lights, the whole thing. And uh, don't we have an amazing team across our campuses, guys? I, I just, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, or maybe your flair has a little bit of gospel swag in it. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay. And your team... You know, if you think, man, my really, my jam would be a little gospel flair to it. It's got a little bump, bump to it. And, uh, and, and that choir that's around that group is kind of that, I, I would just call them the kind of young hipster choir, right? And uh, that group now is, it, it seems like you see those groups all over the world now singing. You've got an old church choir singing in your soul. You know, you, 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 you're contemporary, but you've got that old church choir going. And then some of us, uh, uh, you know, think of the older, sort of more seasoned saints in the choir. Can I get an amen? You know, singing those saintly hymns. You know, join me verses 1, 3, and 5, please. Some of you know exactly what I'm saying. God bless you. God bless you. Whatever the case may be, those are kind of the things that we think of when we think of worship. And uh, I would blend kind of those things together, but I'd have to say... If I I was talking about hymns, I would think of them in a contemporary fashion. And again, whatever our thoughts might be, God wants to update our thoughts about worship today. He he really does. He wants to show us what worship really is. Let's turn to the Word of God, shall we? John 4, 23 and 24, and then Acts chapter 17, 22 through 31. This is the preeminent verse on worship in the entire Bible. I'm... I'm going to spend just a moment going through scripture and then I'm going to unpack some things for us. And hopefully when we get to the end across our campuses, we'll know more about worship and what it really is. John 4, 23, Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman. She's come, he's come to the well to get water. She's at the well as well. She's at the well as well. What? (laughs) So he says to her, I could go off on a tangent, but I'm not going to. He says to her, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers, everybody say true worship, true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth 
For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. First note, if you're taking notes here today, and you're across the campuses, or you're at home somewhere, you're around the world, and I did this yesterday. It just came up in my spirit. Can we thank our military personnel around the world? Can we thank them? God is so good. Wherever you are. Okay, here's a note. First thing, worship isn't material. Worship is not material. It's spiritual. It is spiritual, and it's truth. That means the revelation of God in Scripture. I'll go on to the next part of Scripture, Acts 17, 22. This is Paul. He is speaking to men and women in Athens, Greece, and he is in their Areopagus. That means he's in their town hall, their center of community, and, and here's what he says. This is super easy for us to get confused with, uh, and I'll explain here in just a second. All right, here we go. Paul stood... Uh, in, the, in the middle of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that you are in every way very religious. You know, I think that sometimes we think that we worship in here and that people out there don't worship. Do you, do you think we think that? Yeah, we, we think, as Christians sometimes, we think we worship in here, but people out there don't worship. Here's, here's what I think. I, I think everyone worships something. Every human being worships something or someone. So everyone is designed to worship. 23, for as I walked around and I looked carefully at your objects of, everybody say it with me, worship. As I looked at your objects of worship, and our objects of worship are all over the place. We won't spend a lot of time. We could name 25 if we wanted to. We just ding, 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 our objects of worship, okay? I even found an altar with its inscription to an unknown God. Now, what you, have, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. Paul's pretty bold, isn't he? 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Hallelujah. He lives right here in this temple. He lives in that temple right there. 29, we skip down. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being, this is God, is like gold or silver or stone, an image, everybody say image. image, very important. An image made by man's design and skill. Marketing is pretty skillful today, isn't it? Marketing can make us look, make things look the way they want them to look so they sell, right? It's an image. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And repentance means that we're going in a direction we don't understand the gods that we're worshiping. God says, hey, worship me. We stop. That's the first part of repentance. And then we turn around. And when we turn around, we don't follow what we were following. We begin to follow God. That's, that's the two parts of repentance. He has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. That is Jesus, who is the Christ. He is raised from the dead. Listen, church, we're not, speaking to, we're not speaking about a God who's in a grave. We're speaking about a God who's exalted. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is exalted. Jesus, it's like, how do you know that Christianity is true? Well, Jesus rose from the dead. Ha <laughs> ha, that's a different sermon, but I'll go on. <laughs> Worshiping unknown gods and misplaced affections. There's three things, and I'll start with things. Things... These are the three that I think are the biggest things, and I'll start number one with things. <laughs> things and appearance and money. Things and appearance and money. We can misplace our affections, and 
we could absolutely worship things as gods. Uh, uh, Matthew 6, 19 says, do not lay up for yourself uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust will destroy. So whatever you have that's new, anybody have anything that's new right now that you're excited about? Come on, we can be excited about things. Come on, come on, everybody. Come on, somebody, church, come on. Come on, get with me. You have a new shiny thing. <laughs> it's awesome, right? Uh, but we need to know that that shiny thing is subject to rust and moth. If, if you've got clothes, they're, they're, the moths are going to get them at some point. If you've got a brand new car, God bless you. I hope you got the fastest Tesla you can get. You know what I mean? They, they go now zero to 60, I don't know what it is, under, under two seconds. <laughs> really? It's, if that's humanly possible. No, it, it really is. Amazing. But we need to know that shiny, beautiful thing will be in a scrap heap someday. Like we need to recognize that. I, how many of you remember MTV Cribs? See, I'm talking to my people. <laughs> I am not sure what the television show today is to, you know, to show opulence. I'm not sure because I got saved. I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure there's a television show, you know, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, or well, I don't know what it is, you know, but I'm sure it's out there. And, and so those images, so we got to be careful because houses and, you know, it's, it's great. It's great. It's great. But they're not God. They're not God. We could easily just shift over. I want you to see this on the screen, and I'm going to make a couple of statements here. Everybody say this with me. Across our campuses, okay, a South Shore Plant City, listen, say, it's okay it's okay to have things. Come on. Woo it's okay to have things. Come on, come on, come on. As long as things don't have you. And you can say, as long as things don't have me. It's okay to have things. As long as those things don't have you. They become objects of our worship if we're not careful. They really do. The world judges success by how much we have on earth. God judges success by how much we have in heaven. He says, I want you to lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. They're eternal. And so a lot of you, you know, I won't say a lot, of, some, are thinking about investment, 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 investment. That's the best place to put your investment. Because it, it doubles and triples and it never goes away. And you will inherit a kingdom. Most of all, there's a king there. His name is Jesus. Years ago, uh, you know, I love to fish. And uh, Tamara has uh, dissuaded me over the years from buying a boat. It's true. I love my wife. She is wise. She, she is wise. The best boat you can have is your friend's boat. <laughs> okay? And I've said that to my friend. I've, so, I've said it. The best boat you can, you know, right? Boats are, boat, yeah. All right. And so years ago, we had this little ginu, and so I've kind of had little, little things to work on through the years. I've been super blessed, and God is good, and, and uh, I'd prefer it that, that way. And so we were working on this thing called a ginu, me and a friend, and uh, we worked for months and months and months. And I had a wealthy friend who gave me the ginu. Uh, he gave me the ginu and the motor and the trailer, so it's worth a little bit of resource. And, but we fiberglassed it and put seats in it and made it fancy, and we did all the stuff, and when we were finished... My spirit, like we finished in the garage, and, and I, I felt this come up out of me. I was like, ooh, it's precious. <laughs> you, you, some, some of you, you, you understand reference, right? Precious. Right? I said, I was like, I love you. <laughs> and the moment, so it, it's a very subtle feeling, but the moment that happens, God steps in. 
God steps in because he's like, you can have all the stuff in the world, but as soon as you feel that thing, now you're, it's in competition with me. And so he said, you can use it one time. And I went out, you know, I was all over the place because I knew what God was going to say. I brought it back in. He said, you did all that work. I sit in the garage. I'd cleaned it off after I took it out. He did all that work. He said, now I want you to give it away. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that good? Isn't that good, church? God, God is good. He doesn't, listen, here's a question. Here's a question. And if you don't think God acts that way, I, I would just encourage you to spend a little bit more time with God. Spend, spend more time with him because he wanted me to give away that thing so that he could bless me and bless me and bless me and bless me. And now there's just, there are friends and people and you know, I just, there are folks that just say, come on, you just come on the boat. You don't need to take the boat. We'll charter the boat. You get on the boat and then somebody will, you know, bait your hook and then you catch the fish and then they'll clean the fish and they'll put it in a bag and you go home. And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a different kind of fishing, but God wants to graduate you. And if we hold on to things, we then uh, uh, take place of the things he wants to give us. And so is there anything that God is asking you maybe to hand over, to give to him, to receive what he wants to give you, okay? Number two, appearance is another thing that we can mistakenly make gods. We really can. It's, it's super easy to do, appearance. And um, 1 Samuel 6, uh, 16, 6 and 7, Samuel is choosing the sons of Jesse, and there's the first son. He's handsome and tall and bright and articulate and he says to himself, surely the Lord's anointed is standing here. You can go back and read the text. And God speaks to Samuel and he says, do not look on the outer man because I look for the inner man. Come on, that's good news, isn't it, church? It really is good news. It really, really is. So health, beauty, brawn, appearance, I'll even add sexuality. They're all great things. They're, they really are great things. I want you to take care of yourself. Sexuality within marriage. God designed it, it's fantastic, but it could be used in a way that's a little crazy in our culture, right? Is it right? Well, I really can. Have you ever heard of the phrase, image is everything? Have, have you, anybody? Okay, it came from a marketing company uh, that was marketing a famous tennis player back in the years. You guys remember Andre Agassi? Okay, some of you are like, I shall do. All right. <laughs> he had to eventually shed that phrase stuck to him so much he had to get rid of the phrase because people were heckling him during his professional tennis matches saying, image is everything, and it was breaking his concentration. And he had this kind of, he had kind of big like bad boy hair. He had to shave his hair, he did the whole thing. He ended up becoming a different image and a whole lot better tennis player uh, because image isn't everything. Image isn't it everything. Okay, I want you to look on the screen. All right, here we go. We're going to say it again. You guys ready? Across campuses, here we go. It's okay to look good. Come on. It's okay to look good. Listen, it's okay to look good. It really is. I want, do your best with what you have in the name of Jesus, right? Everybody good? Is, is that, did that feel weird? Because you guys are laughing. It's okay. Do the best with what you have, really. I mean, it's fine. It's okay to look good. Come on, come on. As long as looking good doesn't have you. Because you can make it an issue. You can make it an issue. It can be an issue on Facebook. It can be an issue where you go. It can be an issue in your family. You can feel less than. You can feel demoted or you can feel promoted. And you think, everybody loves me because of this. I want to tell you, this is not staying here. You, I, I want to be loved first by God. And then I want to let the love of God come out from me. 
the people that are the most beautiful know that they're loved and can love. They're the most beautiful. Sometimes people are outwardly just incredibly beautiful, but inside they're missing their own esteem. It's a a crazy switch, isn't it? Are you more, more focused on looking good and pleasing people than you are in pleasing God? That's a sentence. Are you more focused? So, you know, what the definition of worship is what you focus on. So if you're focused on self, everybody say self. self. Then that's what you worship. I'm going to let it just sit there for a minute. Our culture is pushing us more and more and more and more and more into the selfie culture. And so our image, our own image becomes an object of our own worship. You know, there's a a selfie, uh, it's actually a, they call it selfie world here in Tampa, where you can, you know, it's, you know, the first couple in the nation and all those things. I was going to put it on the screen, but then I decided not to because then some of you would go look at it. And just, just don't waste your time. Uh, that's all I can say about it. I was an athlete, and I used to, I used to go to a, <clears throat> my temple every day. And I would go to the temple between four to six hours every single day of my life. I mean, including Sunday. And I would go to the temple, and, and uh, I had friends there at the temple, and we would worship at the temple and uh, I was very devoted. I was religiously devoted to my temple. I would work very, very hard. Most of all, what I did when I went to my temple is I sacrificed. Come on, you guys that go to the gym. No pain, no. No pain, no. So I left it all in the gym. And then afterwards, we would go and fellowship in the foyer, and we would drink, uh, you know, Weeder's weight gain. You remember that? Some of you are like, oh, I remember that. That's the biggest waste of money you've ever spent your money on. And then afterwards, we would go hang out, and we would fellowship, and we would have life group, but we really wouldn't have life group. We would just have group. (laughs) And the temple that I went to wasn't a church. It was the gym. And the gym, come on now. I want to switch the gears. It's awesome if you go to the gym. Give yourself a hand. Come on. I need to go to the gym. But the gym can replace your church. Travel club ball can replace your church. Any place where there's devotion and sacrifice, work can replace the church. Work can replace God. It it becomes very, very simple to do this. And so here's this, before I get too locked in here, are we willing, let's think about this with me, are you willing to be as dedicated and sacrificial for the inner man, come on, everybody say inner man, as you are for the outer man? Because the Bible says uh, uh, um, working out physically is profitable, and it is profitable, and we do need it, and we want to do it, and it's good. It's not that it's bad. It's good, but good isn't God. And so God is saying, I want you to work on the inner man. If you're willing to do the reps in the gym, are you willing to do the reps at home? Are you willing to do the reps? Because this exercise profit. It profits much. It profits much. I was going to try to pronounce it in the King James, but then I backed up. Profiteth. If you can figure that out, God bless you. Number three, money. Money. Things and appearance and money. And money. There are a lot of things that money can do. Come on. Amen. 
There are a lot of things that money can do. How many of you are okay if you win the lottery this week? You okay? So I see him in the back just slow waving. Yep, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, I will take it all day long. Okay, but it can't buy love. You've heard, money can't buy love. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'll just take the money and figure out the love part. <laughs> can't buy love, can't buy human connection. I've heard this version of the story many times. I worked so hard, I was dedicated, I was devoted, and what you, wor- what you focus on is what you worship. And so in our worship of things and of money and sometimes of appearance, we forget that we're losing relationship with people that last for eternity. And so you end up, I've heard this version many times, I have all of these things, I work so hard, I have this giant house and I have all these things, I have four of those and five of those and six of those, and I just don't have anybody to spend any time with. I just don't, there's no one here. And the people that want to be around me, I don't know if they wanna be around me for my money or if they just wanna be around me for me. And so listen church, the fourth wealthiest man on planet earth is going through that right now. The fourth wealthiest. You know how much money he makes, the fourth wealthiest man on earth? $33 million a day. Some of you just bring that calculation all the way home. Some of you are like, again, I'll try it. I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it for a minute, see if I'm more happy. It can't make you happy. We easily fall into the trap of thinking that can make us happy. It can do a lot of things, all right? I want you to see this on the screen. I want you to see this on the screen. Okay, this is a big one, all right? Everybody, every voice, here we go. It's okay to have money. Come on, Christians, I break off of you the spirit of poverty. Yes, I break off of you the spirit of poverty. God, listen, God wants you to be rich. Listen, listen, real quick. I just don't want, I want you to not miss this. God, God wants you to be rich in faith, rich in love. And then he gets to do whatever he does with your resource. He does. It's a byproduct of a product. The product is faith in God. The byproduct is resource. But if you think that the resource is the product, then you're always going after the product, and you miss the God who gave the product. Okay. <laughs> ah, preach. Somebody said, preach. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my best. Brum, brum. Okay, you with me? Here we go. It's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. It's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. It really is okay. Money is an object. Money doesn't, there's, money is nothing. You think we've created money. It's our own system. Think about that. We put value on money. We created money. But on our money, it says in we trust. So we put our focus there. First Timothy 6.10 says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say that money is the root of evil. It's just the love of precious. It's the love of money. It's the love of money that creates all kinds of evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. 624, Matthew 624. No one can serve two masters. God says you'll love the one and, and hate the other. You'll be devoted to the one, despise the other. Proverbs 24.1 says this. This is a big one. Please write this down. Proverbs 24.1. Do not envy the wealth of the wicked. Do not envy the wealth of the wicked. Don't envy their house. Don't envy their car. Don't envy their clothes. Don't envy their image in a, in a magazine or on a print ad or in some digital ad. Don't desire their company. Here's the reason why. Because any person that has everything that doesn't have God has nothing. I'm going to say it again. Everybody that has everything that doesn't have God has nothing. And God says, perspective-wise, 
Don't envy what they have. Why? Because that's all they have. And you think about that perspective. Why would, why would my eternal destiny be moved towards somebody that has a limited capacity? Because their capacity, no matter how much money they have, no matter how much clout they have, no matter how much strength they have, no matter how influence they have, they don't have anything compared to God. And so I, 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 my inclination is towards people who are godly and then they have wisdom. And the wisdom then extrapolates itself with great marriage or great children or a great company. They might have resources. Are you with me? There's a, there's a multifaceted, what we do in our cultures, we go, if they have a resource, I'm going to learn that game. Learn God's game and God will teach you every other game. You with me? Okay. Money, appearance, and things can counterfeit as God. They can actually counterfeit as God, the unknown God. I, I, I see in Athens, you guys, you know, you can easily serve an unknown God. We worship God in spirit and in truth. And so Paul is saying, we want to turn our affections towards Jesus. And so we need to call on a superhero to help us. And we need the Marvel movies to help us here. You are all of you beneath me. I am a God, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by that. <laughs> Puny God. <laughs> hey! Listen, now, I'm not talking about the Hulk. Don't call on him. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. You and me need the Holy Ghost to deal with false gods. We need them. We really do. We really do. And so today, while I'm teaching, if you're dealing with some false gods and you're thinking, I've been holding on too tightly or I, I've thought that it was appearance or money or whatever it is, call on the name of Jesus. Ask God to fill you with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you turn, you say, God, please deal with these false gods. And we need to deal with them. Because gods set themselves as, right? The gospel says we tear down philosophies and idols. These are strongholds in our lives. Okay, enough of that. You ready for some true worship? Here we go. True worship. There are two Greek words in the New Testament. One means to bow down. The other one means to serve. The first one, when it means to bow down, it means to uh, see the Lord on his throne, and his throne is a throne of grace, and to be so humbled. Some of you have had this experience. To be in the presence of God when... We're acting regularly, and then it's like the presence of God falls on you. It's like the weight of God falls on you. You are aware of the atmosphere and that his being has permeated your being, that, you are, that the weight of his glory fills the universe, and your jaw drops, and you're in awe and reverence, and you humble yourself, and you lay down on the floor, and, and you put your belly and your face to the floor, and I, I would... I'm, I, I hesitate to say what the word means because it's tough to say from stage. Prostrate. I got it right. You guys don't judge me. Because if you mess that up, it's no coming back from that. Just trying to help you guys. Say, it's different. To lay down and to get as low as you can because you see how high and exalted he is. You see how powerful and wonderful and majestic he is. 
and then to be on your face and to have God pour out his love on you so that you know, that you know, that you know he loves you every fiber of your being. Yes, you've made mistakes and we've sinned and all those things, but Jesus covers that and then God lifts us up. He says, I'm gonna stand up now. And we stand up not in our own image or on our own strength, we stand up in the Lord. And then after his love and cleansing is poured on us, there's a natural response, which is the other Greek word. And the Greek word means, you've loved me so much. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, here I am, send me. There's a normal and natural response to love. When you're really, really loved, it is a natural human response to go, what in the world can I give you to serve you? What, what could I do to love you a little bit the way you've loved me so extravagantly? Those are the two Greek words for worship. Warren Wiersbe says this, worship is the believer's response to all that he is, mind, emotion, will, and body, to all that God is and says and does. This response has a mystical side. There's, a, there's an ethereal side to it where we're saying, you know, worship is that thing where you just, divine presence is invading, whether it's a song or whether you're in private it's subjective. And then there's a practical side to it, which is objective obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Now we, we're weird in the church when we say obedience because we think of pets and young children. Don't we? God is looking for our obedience as a response to Jesus going to the cross. He said, when Jesus went to the cross, he was obedient to the father and we're so loved in that God is just waiting on us saying, you know, when you get married and, and you love somebody and it's great to say, hey, I love you. But every once in a while, you should do something that shows you love. Come on. Can I get an amen? Now I'm being, that's tongue in cheek. I hope it's not every once in a while. I hope it's all the time. I hope, so we say in marriage, let me hear people all the time. And it, let me give a shameless plug for re-engage ministry at the Crossing Church. A shameless plug. It's a really incredible format to help marriages of every kind, shape, and format. Every kind. We all need help. Everybody needs help. If you're married to a human, you need help. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen. Right, you need help. You, you need help. We, we need help. All right. And so people say, I'm gonna, we're going to get married, and I'm going to give 50%, they're going to get 50%. I say, ah, you kind of got to get rid of that one. You give 110, they give 110, and you're going to meet in the middle, in the overlap. Because if you give anything less than 110, you're going to miss each other. God gave us 150 in Jesus, and he's saying, your natural response, our natural response is to come to him. And to say, sovereign Lord, I give you my life. Here I am. Send me. It's a practical side of obedience. It's a loving response to the balance of the fear of God, the awe, the reverence of God, the humility. And it's depending, that response grows as we grow in our relationship to him. Okay, three things, and I'm gonna move as quickly as I can. Here we go. Worship is the willingness to give. Everybody say give. give. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of humans who've been loved. It's the willingness to give. In the temple treasury, here's a scripture reference, Mark 12, 41. The temple, people would come in to give their resource in the temple, and back then they had like coins. And so, and it was a public affair. And so the aristocracy, and, and, and so is it okay if I call them fancy pants? So the fa are you okay? Fancy pants, the wealthiest of the group would come in, they would, you know, their attire was immaculate and all those things, and they would bring these big bags of coins, and they would go to this depository, 
and they would, and, and it was big and heavy, so they would go clang, 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 right? It was kind of obnoxious. Look, I'm giving. And then a lady came who was a widow, and in my extrapolation thinking of scripture, a widow, she came, and I think she probably had trouble somehow, some physical malady. The Bible doesn't say that in my, do you read the scripture like this? Just, I could see a widow on her own making her way, and she put in two coins that equaled less than a penny. And Jesus was there with the disciples, and he all of a sudden said, hey, to the disciples, he said, somebody's worshiping me. Amen. And I want you to get the distinction. God, listen, God doesn't care about the zeros on your check. God cares about your heart. God cares about your heart. He does. He, he really does. 2 Samuel 24, 24, it, the, some folks give out of the abundance. So when we give, it really, so if you give out of an abundance, it really doesn't mean much to you. You know, the fourth wealthiest man in the world, if he gave $1 million, he has so much money. If he gave a million, it'd be like us giving $1. So if he gave a million, it doesn't cost him much. <laughs> you, guys, you guys with me? You guys are like, whoa, space age. He gave a million dollars. It's like us giving one dollar. And so, but this lady gave of all that she had. So it's, so here's a, here's a statement. Worship is determined by the price we're willing to pay to walk in the will of God. Let me say that again. Worship isn't just singing a song. It's the price we're willing to pay because there's always an exchange for walking in the will of God. Always, if we could somehow, everybody with me across the campuses, okay, if you'll do this, just, you don't, you don't have to like physically lift your hands up or anything, just wherever your hands are, I want to speak this over us. If we could loosen our grip, and I would just like you, wherever your hands are, to just do this. If we could loosen our grip on money and possessions, you will understand worship in a way that you've never understood before. If, if, if we could just loosen a little bit our grip on money and possessions, God will place in your hands a divine response to him. Amen? Amen? Number two, worship is willingness to obey. It's willingness to obey. Genesis chapter 22, the second greatest act of worship in all of scripture, uh, if you want to join me there. Genesis 22. Sometime later, la I said it again, I did it last night. It's not sometime labor, it's sometime later. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. So I want you to know this. Take a little note. There's no place that you arrive in your faith. There's no place of giving, sovereignty, sacrifice, dedication, devotion. There's no place that we get to where God doesn't say to us, hey, 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 are you sure that thing or that image or that feeling isn't starting to replace me? Okay, watch this. He said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains I will tell you about. How many of you love your children? Come on, how many, how many really love your children? All right, how many of you love your grandchildren more than you love your children? Let's just, let's just get real here, okay? That's it, right? We have a little two-year-old. He's, he's like a little piece of chicken. It's so cute. 
Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he saddled his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, this is a long journey. Most of the time in Christianity now in America, people won't travel more than 20 minutes to go to a church location. So in Africa, they walk three hours both ways. Thank you for digital community in Jesus' name. Thank you. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in a distance and he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. Everybody say it with, with me. We will worship. Say it with me again. We will worship. And then we'll come back to you. What a powerful statement. What a powerful statement. And then it says that Abraham bound his son. And I'm, I'm skipping that part because I don't want us to get really weird. He, he bound his son, and I, I, don't, I, I could not imagine. All I have to do is think for a little while about my actual, my children, my flesh and blood, and think about binding them, and to think about laying them on an altar. And it says that uh, Abraham had the knife and the fire, and his son Isaac had the wood, and he says to dad, hey, dad, here's the wood. There's the fire and the knife. They're walking up this mountain. He goes, where's the burnt offering? And Abraham is the father of our faith because Abraham said to him, God, come on, say it with me. God will provide the sacrifice. Holy moly. That's what worship is. That really is, that really is the crux of what worship is. And then I want you to watch this. Watch this. Here we go. Verse 12. He was about to strike his son. And uh, when you read the text, there's so many things to say about the text. If you're brand new to Christianity, I want you to go and look Go read some commentaries and look at this so you can understand it more. Verse 12, don't lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do anything to him. Watch this. Now, everybody say now. Now, now I know that you fear God. Amen. Now I know that you reverence the Lord. Now I know that you awe the Lord. Now I know that you're willing to give. Watch this, church. Here's the essence of worship, that you're willing to give the thing you love the most to me. You're willing to give the thing you love the most because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Can you think of how this Old Testament scripture with the father of faith is, is sort of a prelude to the father giving his one and only son in Jesus? One and only son. And then it says in 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram with his horns caught in the thicket. And so here's what I want to say to you. Whenever you're, you're giving your life to God, you're walking up the hill, you've got the knife, you've got the fire, there's the fire wood. You don't know what's going to happen. Here's what God says. As you're ascending the hill in faith, God's sending the provision in faith. God is sending at the same time. That ram had to be moving up the mountain the same way they did. <laughs> And the moment, at that moment of intersection where you have a crisis of belief with God, that's where God finds you in worship. Some of you came today and you have a heaviness, a weight, you've got a burden. We talked to friends last night and they've gone through a, a real trial with pregnancy and, and the mom almost passed away last night. She almost passed away. We were on the phone with them. And here's what she said. Just the, the, the stoutness in the statement. She said, there was, it was a lot of drama. She was through three surgeries, lost all of her blood. She said, I wasn't afraid. And I said to her, oh my gosh, we call you to encourage you and you just encourage us. Christian faith finds its anchor in worshiping Jesus. And when you're able to worship Jesus like this, can you imagine what Abraham was going through with the picture of it, with, with the, his own flesh and blood. And then that fast forwards church, come on, you with me? 
Now fast forwards. All right, we need to pop up for just a second. Some of you get too serious. You'll start, you'll start your kids. All right, Jesus, thank you that you save our kids. All right, thank you, God. Thank you. We pray for little Joshua. That's her son. Come on, join me. We pray for Joshua right now. Come on, say it with me. We pray for Joshua and thank you for his health. And we thank you for Norellis as well. We thank you that you heal her in Jesus' name. Jesus, Jesus is in the garden. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the preeminent, the, the Alpha and the Omega, the God who is, came in human flesh, was in the garden. And it was his last hour. He tells the disciples, I want you to wait and pray. And when he told them, he ruptured capillaries in his blood. I, I, I've seen some things. And I, I mean, I've seen some small things. People who have gone to war have seen some things, right? I've only seen some things. Some people have seen some things. But I saw, I saw pregnancy. I'm going to wait a second. That was, that was the thing. Any, 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 I didn't go through it, but I was there. I claim it. And I, I saw things I couldn't imagine. But I've never seen somebody go through such travail that the capillaries, which is the, the smallest portion of your bloodstream, ruptured, and I've never seen blood come out of somebody's pores. But that's what happened to Jesus. Because the sinless one was becoming sin on our behalf. The sinless, the one who had no sin, was taking on humanity of sin, past, present, and future, and he was laboring before God. They couldn't even pray with him an hour. And then he says to the Father, he says, if you remember the statement, right, it's, it's in your notes. He says, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, come on, everybody here, right here. If this cup can pass from me, he said, but not my will, come on, say it with me, but your will be done. And that is the greatest act of worship ever recorded in human history. That act right there. Come on, you can clap for that. Let's give it up. Worship is choosing the will of God over our own will. Worship is choosing the will of God over our own will. And I'll end with this. Um, there's a group of churches that gathered this weekend to get together, and it's always awesome when churches come together and celebrate a Pentecost uh, weekend, and that's what they were doing together. And as a church, as the crossing, the multi-campuses and all those things, we just didn't have a long enough ramp to kind of join that effort. And so the uh, day before yesterday, I called the pastor and and I said, hey, listen, we, we stand with you. Don't we stand with people who are gathering churches? Come on, don't we? Isn't God good? And uh, I said, is there, anything, is there anything we can do? Is there anything we can do to, to show our support? And he said, we have a little bit of resources needed for X, Y, Z. And uh, I said, that would be great. And um, God instructed me at that point to give like five times what he asked for, okay? And we normally do this as a church. We'd say, we're going to help this association, this person. We have lots of local partners that we partner with to help the gospel and part of what we do as a church. Part of what you do as you give is we give to other people to help them do the kingdom work, right? Amen? Okay, so I was talking to uh, one of our executive pastors about how we do it. You know, how would we do this and how do we get them to check and it, the check from the church, right? You give, we give. And we we're trying to figure it out with timing. And so I ended up pulling up uh, the, uh, uh, the cash app. And when I pulled the cash app up, you know, we were connecting how I was going to do it. And we're gonna, they're going to send us this thing, you know, make sure that it's from the church and all that stuff. And I pulled the cash app up and the Lord said, why don't you give? And I said, let this cut pass for me, Lord. 
No, I didn't say that. I just, I just had to help you guys. Is it? You know, all the time we're in church and we're like, Christian, Christian. God says, hey, what about you? And then we go, oh, you mean me. And so five times what they asked for. And, and so he said, uh, why don't you give it personally from you? And so it took me about 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And I said, absolutely, Lord, yes, that is exactly what I want to do. Here's the reason why I want to see more and more churches gather together. And I, and I want to see God's kingdom come. And I want, to, I want there to be, you know, the broken down walls and get rid of uh, disunity. I want to see unity in our community. Uh, guys, we want to see it. And so the Lord said, the Lord said, why don't you do both? Why don't you have the church give five times what he asked? And why don't you give five times what he asked? And so 10 times what he asked, it, it's not a, an extravagant amount of resource, you guys. It's not an extravagant thing. But the Lord spoke to me in that word as an act of worship. And he said, next year, I'm going to multiply 10 times the effort. I'm going to multiply 10 times the effort. And so I wanted to end with that just to say, God wants to make this personal. He, he is always asking, you know, when we worship, we come to church and there's, there's this move of God and we're hearing and listening and God is saying, I'm speaking and I wanna say, I wanna go through this camera screen. I wanna go through the screen and just wherever you are in your living room and God is speaking to us personally. He's saying, whoever you are, wherever you are, I just want you to say yes to me, whatever that means. Yesterday, there was a lady after service and her, she was like, you know when somebody, has, God has spoken to them, like you could see in her body, I, I said to my kids, she had torches in her eyes, torches. You know, the eyes are the window to the soul. And she said, I have to say yes to God. I have to say yes to God. I have to say yes to God. And she said, too much is going on in, our, in, in Hillsborough County schools and I have to say yes to God. I might get fired, but I'm saying yes. I've, I'm, 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 I can't sit, I cannot sit. I have to stand. And so I wanna pray for you right now. And, and, and the first thing we do, as we give our life to Christ. And that's the starting place, the faith fill you. So every voice, every campus, and I'm believing for you at South Shore. I'm believing for you at Plant City. Jesus came, he died. He lived a sinless life. He died. He was buried in a grave, <laughs> but he didn't stay in the grave. He was raised. And he says today, if you place your faith in me, I'll come and live inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit and your life will change forever. He doesn't say that we're going to get through every, he said, I, I'm not going to take away every trial. I'm going to be with you in the trials. And so every voice now, every voice together, say, Lord Jesus, I give up. I give you my life. Come on, I want you to think about that. It's a good thing to give your life to Christ. I surrender. I know I've sinned. And I lay it down. Come into my life. Pick me up. Show me your will. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch all of our messages on demand and our services live at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. You can also download our app to stay up to date on all the upcoming events, news, and more just by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. Thanks for joining us, and we can't wait to worship with you next weekend.